Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys, and for the second straight week, we will have no video. We are not going to be uh, getting together to do this show either, because unfortunately, I did test positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, so we're just going to make sure that I am able to get over that uh, in time for us to be able to recap the Orange Bowl game uh, next week. So uh, Josh will be with me remotely again today. He'll be on the telephone, but uh, we're here to break down the matchup with the Texas A&M Aggies. The Tar Heels with uh, a pretty steep road ahead of them in this one. Uh, Texas A&M is a team that was vying for a playoff spot. There were a lot of people that felt passionately about the fact that Texas A&M should have been in the college football playoff over Notre Dame. Uh, so this is a team that could come in pretty motivated and ready to go to try to win this Orange Bowl game over a Tar Heel team that is, uh, I'm not going to say a shell of itself, but it is only four players that are leaving, but you lose a lot of production, especially on the offensive side of the ball with four key players that are not going to play in this bowl game. Of course, the last time that we were on, we told you that Michael Carter, Deami Brown, and Chad Surratt had all opted out of playing in the Orange Bowl game. Well, Javante Williams. Williams added his name to that list, and from the way that Mac Brown was talking in his press conference the other day, it seems like that's a move that kind of caught everybody a little off guard. So the Tar Heels are now without their two top running backs, their top wide receiver, and their top tackle leader on the defensive side of the football. So a lot is gone, but there is still a reason to feel that this offense can put up some points in this game because of quarterback Sam Howell, and uh, you know the defense normally steps up. I, I feel like you know. A lot of people are looking at this pretty negatively, but Carolina, I think, still has a a decent chance in this game if they can do some of the things that we saw in the late season games on the defensive side against Notre Dame and Miami. Yeah, I I think Carolina is still going to show up, but they're going to compete, and they're going to show themselves they were worthy enough to play the New Year's Six Bowl game. It is going to be a challenge. Thankfully, they had a little bit of time prepared without Carter and Brown outside the ball, as you mentioned, losing Javante. 
kind of probably spurred their whole preparations and they've had to adjust since then. But you've seen a lot of our guys on social media that are, you know, they're going to have to step up in this game. They've talked about how they're confident they can show up and they can make plays and, and they're ready to be a, a big part of this football team starting in this game and then moving into next year. And I think that's the thing that when we watch this game, like we want to win the, you know, we want to win the Orange Bowl and everything. But this is a really good chance for us to see what we got coming in for next year. What the guys that are going to step up and have larger roles, they're going to get a chance to do that on a, on a pretty big stage on Friday. And defensively, yeah, you, you hope you keep the see the same things you saw to end the season from Jay Bateman's squad with a lot of rotation guys. You saw a lot of young guys on the field making plays. Jeremiah Gimmel finished the season really strong. And the secondary is going to have a pretty, uh, uh, you know, they're going to have, have a, themselves ready to give us Kellen Mons, a pretty good quarterback, and he can stand back there and pick you apart if he's allowed to do so. So I think that's the Carolina is. This is a really good test to get them ready for next season. Yeah, I think that's, you know, something that people just kind of have to come to terms with. You know, there's been a, a lot of animosity towards uh, the players that have opted out of this game. You know, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit on the side, but, you know, what is your opinion of, of everybody that's opted out so far? Because I know that there are some people that feel really passionately one way or another about their decisions so far. At the end of the day, you got to respect that they're doing what they think is best for them and their football future. And, and so that's, you know, would I love to see those guys suit up and play on Friday night or Saturday night? Yes, because I feel like if they're on the field, Kyle's got a really good chance to win this game. But they've done enough to get themselves ready to go to the NFL, which is their ultimate football dream. They've been wanting to do this since they probably put on a football team for the first time as a little kid. So I wouldn't want an injury to, you know, really damper their, their NFL life. We saw it happen with Delonta Williams back in 2010, 2011, when he got hurt in the music of the Orange Bowl. You got the Jalen Smith injury uh, for Notre Dame back in the Fiesta Bowl. Like, you've seen injuries that these kind of rather meaningless bowl games happen that have really derailed football careers. So, I respect it, and I will just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to put it is that, you know, look, they're making a decision for their future. Um, this is a game that does not have national championship implications. There were a lot of people uh, that were commenting, asking why Alabama and Clemson don't have these types of problems because that's where, in their mind, which, again, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. We've talked about it on the side, just, you know, between us before. That's probably not what Carolina is ultimately going to end up being, a football-staying power that is going to dominate for a decade, decade and a half. Um, that's just not what Carolina is going to turn out to be. But the, the the big reason why you don't see these problems at Alabama and Clemson, these teams play for national championships just about every year. Uh, since the playoff has been installed, those are the two teams that have been to the playoff the most. So, of course, you're not going to see those problems with them. Um, I mean, if you're looking and saying, well, you know, Texas A&M doesn't have a lot of guys that are sitting out. Texas A&M's a team that's pretty young. Uh, you look at a lot of the guys that are on their team. They have a lot of really talented players. A lot of them, as, as I just said, are young. Um, other guys are really just not projected to go that high in the draft. You look at some of the guys that the Toriels are potentially looking at getting drafted. Pretty much everybody that is a serious candidate to be an NFL draft prospect this year. And, you know, just from going over and, and looking for an article that I'm going to put out after the bowl game when we start talking about the NFL draft stuff, pretty much all five of the Tar Heels draftable guys right now are seen as 
probably at the latest fifth round draft picks. Most guys are seen in that second to third round range. That's where Javante Williams is at. That's where we've seen Daz Newsome at a, a, a lot here recently. Deami Brown started to climb into that conversation. Uh, even even Michael Carter, and then of course it's headlined by Chad Surratt, who is seen as pretty much a solid second round pick at this point by most drafts. So that's the difference. You know, Carolina's got a lot of really, really talented prospects in this game. And you look at some of the other teams that are like that. Georgia, nine players sitting out. They may have even added a 10th player uh, earlier today that's sitting out their Peach Bowl game against Cincinnati. So unfortunately, this is the nature of what is happening when it comes to college football and the NFL draft. These guys, when you know how they find out whether or not they believe that they should go to the NFL draft is they talk to guys that are experts in you know these type you know how scouts think in the NFL they'll watch their tape they'll watch you know how they perform um, you know throughout the season everything like that um, they put together pretty much what's a draft profile um, so basically it's I mean it's basically like if you go and have someone create a resume for you they build your resume for you and then they ultimately tell you whether or not they think that you should play in this game. Will it hurt your stock or not? And Mac Brown said something really interesting that I think, you know, is, is probably the biggest reason why you're seeing a lot of these guys not play in this game. Mac said that in his mind, what probably happened is that um, they saw the game against Miami for guys like Michael Carter, Javante Williams, really even Daz uh, or Deami Brown, you're not going to play a better game in the bowl game than you played in that game. Um, I mean, you're not going to run for 308 yards against a Texas A&M team that's allowing a little over 90 a game. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So you want to leave that lasting impression. That's, I think, one of the things that, you know, as, as great as it was to see Carolina dominate offensively like that, that might have been part of the problem in this. But, you know, this is the last thing I'll say on this it, you know, before we move on and, and focus a little more on the guys that will play in the game. If you want this problem to disappear in college football, then it's this simple. You should be a huge advocate for the playoff expanding. If you want bowl games to mean more, like the Orange Bowl, like the Peach Bowl, if you want them to matter every single year, not just the year that they are playoff games, and you want guys to play in them every year, then you need to expand the playoff. I don't know what the number is in your mind that you need to expand it to, whether it's 8, 16, whatever, but that is what is going to make these bowl games more meaningful. Until that happens, these NFL draft experts, these guys that help them make their decisions to go to the NFL, are going to tell them it is not worth playing in this game. Yeah, you can finish out your career potentially you know, with a bowl victory. The Orange Bowl is a nice victory, but the big thing is, is like you mentioned, you know, look, I mean, DeWanta Williams, that was the Music City Bowl. That was a smaller bowl game. He was a guy that was probably seen as a day three guy, so he may have still been trying to help his stock. The one that I go back to and the one that you know a lot about is Jalen Smith, who is a Dallas Cowboy. There was a chance that, you know, before the injury, he was probably going to be a top five draft pick. He fell all the way into what? The second round, was it? Or was it the third? Second, I mean, he fell that far. Because he hurt himself in a New Year's Six Bowl that ultimately didn't end up mattering in the end. I believe Notre Dame lost that game, too. They were playing Ohio State, so I think they lost that game. So, I mean, that's the thing. You, it, it, There's a lot of risk that goes into it. Um, you know, the one that really just angers me the most that people are getting mad at is Javante Williams. This is a guy that... 
when he was a senior in high school, this dude didn't think he was going to probably even be able to play college football. Um, he got a late offer from Carolina. He was, you know, a guy that played running back, but some people were going to use the linebacker. And, you know, this was someone that coming into Carolina did not think that he probably had a chance of ever going to the NFL draft. He was going to put in the work, do everything that he could to get there. But in all likelihood, that probably wasn't going to happen. So it's an amazing story. Um, to cast these guys off is, is just ridiculous, um, you know, because these are going to be some guys. I mean, Michael Carter, I would not be shocked if you look at the statistics um, and everything that he brought to Carolina. Same thing with Deami Brown. Those are two guys that will be remembered for a long time in Chapel Hill. And if they were to expand the ring of honor in – in future years, those could be two names that could end up possibly landing up there. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely something uh, that Carolina fans are, are getting that mad about. But let's transition, folks, a little more on the game. Um, you know, the guys that are going to play in this game, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the replacements in this game. And when one of the guys that, you know, we've heard a lot about here, especially uh, these last couple of days, primarily today when they've been talking about the game, is uh, Eugene Asante having to step up, take over the spot that's left behind by Chas Rat. Jay Bateman said he's the best defensive sub on this team. So I feel like coming into this game, there is some confidence in him. I think you, you, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. That's where Jeremiah Gimmel is a guy that has to step up, play one of his best games of the season. But I feel like when you look at the, all of the replacements, that's probably the spot that you're most comfortable with in this game. Yeah, no doubt, because we've seen him make plays on the field at big moments. And if your defensive coordinator and the guy that calls your defense says that he's the best defensive sub we have, well, I'm going to put a lot of stock into that. I've put a lot of stock into what coaches are saying, especially when you have smart coaches like Carolina has now with Matt Brown and the staff he's put together uh, since he came back to Chapel Hill. So, um, But as you mentioned, you're going to need probably the best game from Jeremiah Gimmel we've seen this year, maybe in his Tar Heel career, to give the defense a chance. But... I think that's the thing is that as bad as this defense has been at times this year, with everyone that's not playing in this game, because I've got to step up, we feel more comfortable on the defensive side of the football, which is ironic that you're saying that because we've talked about how much talent is on the offensive side of the ball and how much depth there is in the running back room and with the wide receivers. But yet we're talking about the defense and how much confident we are that they're going to be able to step up and keep Carolina in this game on Saturday night. Well, I, I, yeah, and I don't think you should lack too much confidence in the offense. Let, let, let's say this, and I mean, you know, I thought this was great that Choffrey Brown put put this tweet out there where he said earlier in the week, you know, we got recruited for a reason. There's talent here. It's more the concern of the experience, especially in the backfield. But, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, you look at Asante, um, you know, the one thing that's just a little bit head-scratching about that is if he was that good of a sub, why was he not on the field more often? I guess maybe you think that, you know, Chas Surratt and, and Jeremiah Gimmel are really just that talented. You want to leave them out there as often as possible. But, um, yeah, no, I feel like there's overall there's some confidence that this defense can step up because, again, you look back on it, it, you know, over these last couple of years, when they've needed to step up as a defense in these games against highly ranked opponents, they've stepped up consistently. I mean, you look at all the ranked matchups this year outside of the game against Virginia Tech. Carolina's defense, when they played against ranked opponents, played about as well as, as you could hope for. Notre Dame, you know, they played well in that game as well. They let up 31 points and lost, but that was still a game where, you know, that garbage time touchdown made that look 
like a worse performance for the defense than it actually was. All the other games, I mean, you look at the game against NC State, that was probably Carolina's best defensive performance up until that time. Uh, the game against Miami, Carolina looked really good. The problem was for the defense, the reason they allowed so many points in that game was because the offense was just scoring so quickly that eventually Miami was able to wear them down and get a few points on the board. Um, and then, I mean, you go back even to last year's game against Clemson. So when this defense is needed to step up, it has, and you feel like they have the potential to be able to do that in this game. Now, one of the interesting things, and one of the guys that I said in an article that I released uh, that you can check out on HeelTopBlog.com, I put the five most important players for Carolina in the game against Texas A&M. I told you guys that need to have a big performance, and I put Simone Fox on there. Uh, and again, you know, this is really uh, you know a guy that has to help in both facets of the offense uh, for the, for uh, Texas A&M has to be able to slow down uh, both the run game and the passing game. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Carolina's defensive line can do in this one because this is a Texas A&M team that has allowed four sacks all year. That's right, four sacks in 11 games that they've played. So getting pressure on the quarterback is going to be extremely difficult in this game. But you feel like if Carolina is going to win this game, they're going to have to find some way to get some pressure on Kellen Mond. Yeah, no, that's that's where it starts, and that's where it finishes for Carolina defensively. You've got to get to Kalamon and make him make bad decisions. You mentioned they've only given up four sacks. He's only thrown three interceptions. And, I mean, look, his numbers, you know, they, they don't, they're not eye-popping numbers, only 2,050 yards passing with 19 touchdowns against three interceptions. He's an efficient passer. He also can pull the ball down and make plays with his legs. So Carolina's got to be disruptive early and often, get him out of rhythm, and get him out of his comfort zone. You feel like Jay Bateman's defense has the potential to do that because you saw what it, you know, as you mentioned, what it's done against pretty good quarterbacks since he came over during against him. Trevor Lawrence struggled against Carolina. He both didn't have a great performance against Carolina. Uh, and they looked against the Notre Dame game where they took the Eric King out of the game in the first half. So you're going to need that side of that same type of performance. Not with you. I think Simone Fox has been one of the most disappointing players on this defense, on this football team as a whole. He can finish out this season strong with a big time performance on Saturday, on Saturday because they're going to need him to be a big time player for them. Yeah, I mean, if th- this game honestly feels, you know, for this defense, like you're playing Ian Book a second time. That's that's pretty much what Kellen Mond is. He's, you know, a guy that is maybe not the most dynamic quarterback, but he can make plays to win the game. He is mobile. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. Can Carolina find a way this time to slow him down? I mean, Ian Book, you know, didn't have the greatest game of the season against Carolina, but late in the game when he needed to make plays, he did. So, you know, this is going to be a game that's similar to that. Can, they, can Carolina's defense step up and find a way to shut him down if he gets some of those late-game situations. Also, they've got to be able to find a way to slow down Isaiah Spiller. That's going to be a much more difficult task than uh, you probably would have believed to begin the year because it's just been a fantastic season for Spiller, who has jumped onto the scene nationally as a guy that a lot of people around the country really, really like. Um, and Carolina's got to be prepared. This is a guy that runs similar to how Javante Williams ran. He will. He's a smaller guy, but he runs with an edge. So Carolina Carolina's defense has to be ready to tackle in this one. Let's go over to the offensive side of the ball, though, and talk about some of the guys on that side. Of course, you know, now it's really easy to look at the guys that have to step up on this side of the ball 
Uh, you got Sam Howell, of course. You're going to need him to step up, have a big game. That shouldn't be much of an issue. Anytime Carolina's needed him to step up over the past two years, he's stepped up, done his part. There's been a couple of games where Carolina has fallen short because he hasn't quite been able to get the help from the defense or some of the other guys around him. But uh, that that's not the part that really concerns me. Same thing with Daz Newsom. Daz pretty much confirmed today uh, in the press conference that he is going to play in this game. Uh, that's just you know his decision to play. He doesn't hold anything against any of the other guys, but he wants to play in this game, help his draft stock out potentially a little bit, help Carolina potentially take home an Orange Bowl victory. Uh, and, you know, he he had a pretty good finish to the season. I'm not really going to knock him for a slower game uh, against Miami because Carolina was running the ball so successfully. De'Ami Brown did have 167 yards receiving, but that only came on four catches. That was really him just making big, big plays down the field. So you feel like those are the two guys that are going to be the big time focus. But the, you know, there's another guy that I look at that's a current starter that I think could step up in this game and have a big game and it would really help out Carolina and that's Garrett Walston. Carolina is going to be looking for receiving threats to help out, you know, with the group that, you know, again, is going to have some guys that have started. You've got Emory Simmons who started some games here since Bo Corrales got injured. Chaffrey Brown has seen some significant snaps as well. More than likely, he's going to take over uh, the spot that's going to be left behind by his brother and then of course Antone Green, a guy who was a starter at the beginning of last year before getting injured. But the biggest area that I think Walston can help this team at is in the pass protection part of this game. Carolina may have to, you know, take away a receiving option to be able to give Sam Howell some time in this game because Texas A&M has a really good defensive line. They're a team that likes to get after the quarterback. And one of the biggest concerns about not having Michael Carter and Javante Williams in this game is you lose their pass protection ability. So, you know, is that, I'm assuming, you know, that's probably another area that you're a little concerned about. And are you, are you with me on the fact that they might need to use Garrett Walson as more of a pass protector in this game than they've probably used him even throughout uh, the last couple of years? Yeah, I don't think they're really going to have a choice because you're, you're losing your top two backs. And when they're not running the football, they're helping out pass protection and keeping Sam Howell upright. And if Carolina's going to have a fighting chance, you're going to need Sam Howell to make plays in the passing game. Pretty much the whole game. Because you feel like this is going to be a pass-heavy game plan. You're going to put the ball in his hands and let him make the plays to give you a chance to win. For that to have to be able to, you know, sit, you know, go through his progressions, go through his reads and make the throws. Because they and can get out with the quarterback as well as any team Carolina has seen this season. I mentioned them when we kind of broke down when we talked about the Orange Bowl the last time on the podcast. This is going to be a pretty stern test for the offensive line that really finished the season really well after that debacle. Um, at Virginia. So I think, you know, you're, you're going to have to use Walson in pass protection, but you're also going to need to make some plays in the passing game because he is an experienced player. Mm-hmm. He knows the offense as well as anyone's going to be on the field uh, outside of Daz Newsom. So he's going to have to make some plays in the passing game as well. He went preseason. I thought he was going to have a really big year in the offense. I was wrong about that. Turns out we didn't really need him to have a big year, but this is a good chance for him to kind of have, have, have a big showing. And if I had to pick a guy that I, I think has, has a really big game, it's, my, it's been my boy all year long. I think Emory Simmons is going to step up. And if Carolina's going to win the game, he's going to have a big game, and that's going to be a big, a big reason why. Because I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, these guys are talented. Right. They're on the field because it's hard to come through when you got guys like Deami Brown, Bo Corrales, and Dallas ahead of you trying to get a chance to go on the field and make some plays. And let's see what they do with Sam Howell sitting at the football. Yeah, and I mean, look, those guys are going to have to step up because we know that Daz Newsom is is going to be the big-time target. Carolina's got to get creative with how they free him up, though, because 
without De'Ami Brown on the field, they are going to be looking to do everything they can to take away Daz Newsome and make someone else win the game against them. And, you know, I, I like Emory Simmons a lot. I think the guy that could benefit from this the most is Choffrey Brown because you, you talk about what Carolina's game plan is going to have to be in this game. You are not going to have the same type of pass protection that you've had so far this season. You look at, you know, that game against Notre Dame, some of the best pass rushers that you face, you saw your offensive tackles really struggle. Sim Richards, Jordan Tucker both struggled. We don't know what they're going to look like in this game. That's the only thing that kind of stinks after coming off that game against Miami where the entire offensive line played so well, you have to wait you know, over almost a month to be able to play your next game. So you weren't able to kind of stay in the rhythm that you had gotten yourself into. You know, the, the best way to neutralize the pass rush if Texas A&M is able to get there, which, again, it's no guarantee because we thought that Miami's defensive line would have a really good chance to cause some problems for Carolina's offensive line, and they didn't. Carolina's offensive line dominated. But if Texas A&M starts to be able to consistently get to the quarterback early, I think Carolina's got to get the football out quickly. And Choffrey Brown is a guy that can thrive with that. He's a guy, He's a track speed guy. He likes the ball in his hands. I mean, again, he will be a guy that eventually could potentially take the top off your defense, but that's probably not what you're going to look for in this game. You're going to look for him to be able to run a couple of quick routes, catch the ball, and be able to do things with the football after he catches it. And, you know, then when you turn to the running backs, I mean, look, I feel like, the, you know, a lot of people are really butchering this group and saying there's not enough talent here. There's no way that Carolina is going to be able to run the ball well. Look, Carolina's offensive line this season has not struggled to run block. There hasn't really been a game outside of a stretch there for a little bit against Notre Dame where they struggled to be able to open up running lanes. That they have pretty much dominated in that facet of the game so far this season. And I don't I don't think it's going to be much different in this game. I think that this is probably their second toughest test behind Notre Dame. I don't think that uh, you know the running numbers are going to be fantastic, but I think that this is still a group that can open up some holes for these young running backs to have success. And there is some talent back here. Now it really hurts that DJ Jones isn't going to be able to play in this game. Uh, he suffered a lower body injury uh according to uh, Toriel Illustrated and uh, Inside Carolina um, that apparently suffered it sometime in between the two the, the two games against Western Carolina and Miami. So um, he won't be available in this game, but there's a group of three running backs, two primarily that Carolina has on scholarship that we think are going to handle the bulk of the load in this game. And there is some talent here. I know who you're probably going to go with based on your breakout players in the offseason, but which running back do you think is going to have the biggest impact in this game and could potentially have a breakout performance in that sort? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think Carolina is going to need one of those guys, whoever it is, that's going to carry the football to get them some, some numbers. And I feel like if I had to pick a guy, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean Elijah Green uh, because I just think, you know, you've seen a lot from him to where you're a little bit more comfortable in him giving you some big plays, but Josh Henderson can also give you something. And, uh, the, you know, British Brooks can also carry the football and do something as well. So I think, you know, it's going to see how Carolina kind of platoons it, you know, because this year we kind of seen them. It was Javante for this series, the quarter, the next series, how they how they kind of handled the, them to this, or the, this rotation in this game. I, you know, I'm, but also missing D.J. Jones does really does, does really hurt. But I, I think, if, you know, if you're leaning on one or the other, you're going to go with Elijah Green. And Green has only got 10 carries and 55 yards. But he's still five and a half yards per carry, so he 
he's done a pretty good job when he's got a chance to tote the rock. I I just I don't think Carolina's gonna spend a whole lot of time trying to run the football. I think I think this will be a game where they, if they run the ball twenty times, I think it's a high number. I see them putting the ball in Sam Howell's hands unless unless they just can't protect him, and they're gonna let him throw the ball and let them go in the game. So, but they're gonna have to have some form of a running game if they're gonna have a chance to upset all all the throwing. Yeah, I, I think they are gonna try to stay relatively balanced. Uh, but I think what's gonna end up happening is they're gonna try to run the ball early. If it's not there, then they'll pull they'll pull out of it and say, "Look, we're just gonna stand back here and throw." Similar to what they did uh, in the game against Wake Forest, um, and again, that really wasn't because they couldn't run the ball in Wake Forest, um, but it, it, that could also be something that they do in this game. W- once they find out that it's a track meet, Carolina normally when they find out that they're gonna be in one of those types of games, they pretty much go to let's just start turning this game into an air raid an air raid game. I don't know if that's what's going to happen in this game. Um, Texas A&M is very capable offensively of playing that type of football. This is not, you know, the teams that we saw at, you know right after Johnny Manziel left where they just really weren't able to put up a lot of points. Their main focus was, you know, can we stop people defensively? That's not what this Texas A&M team is all about. Again, we talked about it on the last podcast. This is a team that 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 welcomed in one of the best offenses in the country in Florida and beat them head to head, playing Florida style of game, which is score and score often. They scored forty one in that game, so they they have the potential to keep up with the high powered offense. Carolina's offense could be a little bit down in this game, uh, maybe not as productive as it's been throughout the season, but uh, at the same time, I still think that they're going to be able to put up points. So it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does game plan wise. But I do think that they are going to still try to run the ball a pretty decent amount. Um, and I like your pick of Elijah Green, but you know I think both both him and Josh Henderson will probably see a decent amount of carries. Those are the two guys that you would imagine are going to be battling for reps uh, as, star, as a starter next year, um, probably along with DJ Jones. So you would imagine that those are the two guys that get the most carries. Um, I think, you know, you never really know. We could see British Brooks in there. He's a guy that has earned just, you know, he, he's earned a ton of respect from the coaching staff for everything that he's done uh, on the special team side of things. Uh, he's a guy that's you know a team captain for special teams, so you never really know. He could play a pretty decent role in this game, but I think it's a pretty fair assessment that you're going to see the true freshman Elijah, Elijah Green uh, with his mix of, of speed and a little bit of power, but uh, you know more he's going to be your guy that can get you something on the edges, and then you'll have your guy that'll be able to pound it inside if you can open up some of those running lanes of Josh Henderson. So it'll be interesting. Uh, to see what Carolina does. Uh, you know, again, last thing we'll mention before we uh, make our official predictions for this game. We've been mentioning it all season, but this is another game where, especially because you're going to be missing the offensive weapons that you are, you have to be disciplined in this game. You cannot take penalties that are going to set your offense back. You can't take penalties that are going to, you know, wipe out uh, defensive stops that could potentially get your offense the ball back at times. Carolina's got to be smart in this game if they want to be able to upset the number five team in the country. Yeah, no, you're, you're, no, you're right about that as well. That, and we saw Carolina towards the end of the year, they got smarter. They, they, they quit command the dumb penalties that cost them and hurt them in big moments in the two early losses of the season at Virginia and at Florida State. So hopefully they've had, you know, about two to three weeks to prepare. You've had a chance to kind of hone in on those tendencies. They're, they're going to have to play. I mean, you know, perfect is, is impossible. They're going to have to play the best game they've played all year to win this game on Saturday. And if, if, if and that that means not committing penalties 
and when we say you know it's complimentary football, they got to play one all three phases. This is a game that 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 really means a lot. Yep, and Carolina getting ready to face off against Texas A&M. That'll be Saturday, January 2nd. Uh, It'll kick off at 8 o'clock on ABC. Uh, And then, of course, uh, you've also got uh, the coverage on the radio side of things. The Tar Sports Network will be there. Uh, Jones Angel, uh, our friend of the show, uh, Lee Pace as well will be there. And uh, not sure if Brian Simmons will be down there. He's been doing some of the Florida games this year. Uh, the game, of course, will be in Miami. Second straight trip to the to the uh, to Hard Rock Stadium, I should say, uh, for uh, the Tar Heels as they look to take home their first uh, major bowl victory in 70 years. So uh, we'll go ahead and make our predictions for the game. I'll, I'll go ahead first. Uh, Carolina, look, they, they've got a lot of talent. This is a team that I still feel like, you know, you're going to get a, a good look not only at what you're going to see next year, but a good look at some guys that re- really, I think, are more talented than you may realize. Some guys that have been starters so far this year, maybe on the offensive or defensive side of the football. I think mainly on the defensive side of the football with Chad Surratt being gone. Uh, you're going to see some guys that will step up and play their best games of the season. I think Carolina will hang around in this game, but I think with everything that Carolina is missing with a motivated Texas A&M team on the other side, I don't think this is a team that's going to come in and have a hangover from not being selected uh, into the college football playoff. I think this is a team, especially because they're going to be able to see what the two playoff teams uh, do the day before. They are going to come in motivated to prove that they should have been in the college football playoff. I think it'll be just a little bit too much for Carolina. I think Texas A&M will win this game 41-31 over the Tar Heels. Yeah. Um, you know, look, this has been a great year. It, it's been a success. Had Carolina had their full complement of players, I'd have been more confident and then having a chance to win the ball game. No De'Ami Brown, no Michael Carter, no Javante Williams, and then no Chad Surratt. Really dampens my ability to think they can win the ball game. I think they're going to compete. I think they're going to play. I think they're going to play hard. I think they're going to go in there and you know we'll, we'll we'll be excited for next year for seeing what these young guys can do. But I think you're going to pissed off a And M team that's going to come in motivated. This game means more to them than it means to Carolina. I think they, you, that's proven by all the opt-outs we've seen from Tar Heels and not all the opt-outs from a and And I think that's going to reflect on the field. I think a and wins the game 31-20. to 20. And, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, what a fun experience. Only took Mac Brown two years to get Carolina to the New Year's Six Bowl game. And we'll be really, really gearing up for a, a, a big third year for Sam Howell and company going into 2021. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's probably the best way to put it. Good look at the future. Uh, and it's definitely something just to be able to get there. And we'll, of course, break down a little more of that when we do our season recap, talk about what this season means for the overall direction of Carolina football, everything like that. That'll be after uh, the game against Texas A&M. Uh, but we'll have you covered with everything uh, for the Orange Bowl uh, against the Aggies. It'll be on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Of course, now we've got some really great articles up there that you guys can read. Uh, we just you know, kind of started diving into the Texas A&M stuff. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we got uh, the five players that need to be uh, that need to have the biggest games for Carolina. That's on the website right now. We'll have the regular preview of the game. We'll have the regular recap of the game, the trench report, and the stock report. And then that will wrap it up for our in-season coverage. After that, we'll go into off-season mode. Of course, that means final grades will be coming out. We'll hand out our awards on the podcast. There'll be all sorts of really exciting stuff before we officially get 
into the full offseason mode where we might not be doing a show every week, but uh, you know, it, it, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to see how much uh, information, uh, how much is going on around the football program uh, as we get uh, you know closer to uh, January, where of course Carolina will be welcoming in some early enrollees, and uh, you know, again, we'll start to find out what the offseason is going to look like this year as opposed to what we saw last year uh, due to COVID nineteen. So. Uh, you know, a lot of really great stuff. Make sure you guys are checking it out on the website. We got you covered on the recruiting front as well, basketball side of things. Uh, we're in mid, you know, in season, so that's uh, where most of our focus will shift towards. So uh, we'll have some really great articles that'll be going up throughout the basketball season. Carolina, uh, you know, gets ready to get uh, back underway uh, actually tomorrow against Georgia Tech, uh, the Yellow Jackets, uh, you know, team that. Carolina's looking for a little revenge on after last year's uh, embarrassing start in the Smith Center before Carolina came back and made it a game. So, of course, we'll have you covered with everything on that front and throughout the season on HeelToughBlog.com. Last thing I want to talk to you about is the podcast itself. Make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page. That'll also help you see all the articles. That gives you the articles, the podcast, the interviews, all sorts of stuff like that on uh, on Facebook. I'd also alert you whenever we're getting ready to put out a new edition of the podcast, a new episode uh, of the podcast. It'll send you a notification that we're about to premiere a video and you guys will be able to click on that and go ahead and watch the video for uh, that night. Uh, and then uh, if you are listening to the podcast, which again, we still have a really, really strong following uh, on uh, some of the podcast platforms. We appreciate those people who have stuck around even when we've moved to the video platform. Uh, so uh, if you are listening, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Rating and reviewing helps move us up some of those rankings so that Toriel fans that haven't found the podcast just yet can track down the podcast. Uh, we really want to have them in on all this really great stuff. We're going to, again, try to get a lot of a lot of guests on during the offseason, a lot of former Toriels. So uh, that'll be interesting once again to see if we can get some of those guys on as we get towards the summer. So no, help us out. Help some of those people that haven't found it just yet track it down. And also, the subscribe button, that's for you. So whenever you subscribe to the podcast, a new edition will go straight into your podcast library. So you'll be able to pretty much be notified whenever we have a new edition. You'll open it up, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. It'll be right there in your podcast library so you can play the latest edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. So we want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Josh for hosting with me today. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tor Heels! Go Tor Heels!